Uh, yes, uh, my name is Steve Hines, also called Stephen, uh, and my uh, company is a not-for-profit, a 5013C, the, uh, uh, the Energy Pragmatist. I am a business writer and energy oil writer uh, and part-time professor, teach at a few, uh, at the University of Tulsa and the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh a bit. Uh, and uh, been in the uh, in interested in energy, oil, and all of that for the last twenty years. And of course, I know you, Jason. Uh, you and I have worked together before. Also mentioned, you got a telecommunications background as well. Oh, which that's is... right. Yeah, and and that's I mean, and that's becoming more and more important. The telecommunication and technology. Background. Yeah, it is, and I and I the reason I wanted to bring that up is because. Uh, a lot of people forget that the telecommunications, whether it be the radio, whether it be the print, whether it would be even television, uh, has already gone through a major paradigm shift. When the internet came, it just completely changed how the communications business had, and even uh, telephones, had to do their their business. That is a legitimate paradigm shift. We've experienced that in the oil and gas industry over the past 10 years, and we're kind of seeing some of the... Uh, I guess that the tentacles come out, some of the ripples, some of the repercussions, if you will. Let's start with the telecommunications for just a second to set the context, because I know you'll you'll understand this and appreciate that. And then I want to transition into Whiting, Chesapeake. And I just saw another one this morning uh, declared bankruptcy again down in Texas. Um, yeah, I did too. So the what people should understand is for a good hundred years, Newspapers had a monopoly in most towns in the United States. Over 90% of the towns, one newspaper had a monopoly for about 50 to 100 years. Within 10 years' time, when the Internet came around, most of those newspapers declared bankruptcy, got bought out, had to restructure, major problems. That's a paradigm shift. One of the reasons... One of the reasons is when Craigslist came out, for example, the internet, the Los Angeles Times, and I, I read this one time, lost 90% advertising in one year in their classified ads. So, I'm not yeah, and, and that, that's a you know, classified ads. You don't have any editorial, so it's 100% that's profit. Right. Yeah, that, that's all profit. That's, that's all was, profit. That, that real. Yeah, that's so, that so take that concept, take that just context. Now, apply it to the oil and gas industry. We've heard everything from we got to reinvent rig counts, how we look at them, to should we subsidize oil and gas like agriculture. Boy, I tell you, I've heard things coming in and out of oil and gas that I, I haven't heard in my entire lifetime. So flash forward to today where we've got major companies doing bankruptcies and this and that. So let's talk a little bit about a bankruptcies. And then I want to talk about bankruptcy bonuses. And then I want to talk about Robert Bryce. <laughs> and so uh, let's let's talk about the bankruptcies, uh, the, the ripple effect. I am curious how long that's going to take to hit the, you know, the cafes and, and, and you know, any town USA because, well, 96% of our daily lives involve petroleum products. So your thoughts, Mr. Stephen Hines. Uh, well, you know, because they're different vehicles for bankruptcy, uh, you'll notice that most of the oil bankruptcies are Chapter 11. Now, Chapter 7, uh, that is when you're just going out of business. Chapter 11 uh, is a legal way of allowing yourself to put off your uh, 
people you owe money to and to uh, uh, restructure your company one way or another. So it buys time for companies, and it's really the it's the uh, uh, it's the vehicle of choice for the oil business because it has most times has hard assets and and softer assets as far as property and leases and so uh, it, uh, it 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 is. Not as, even though bankruptcy has this horrible connotation, Jason, uh, Chapter 11s are just, it's just a way, another way of doing business and, and protecting uh, people, uh, investors, and banks from total, a total debacle. One of the questions I hear all the time when it comes to these new bankruptcies and and to is it a strategy? Is this a way it, to? It is a business strategy, you bet. Yeah, and and what it ends up is it really hurts small business. Well, you know, it depends. I mean, it can hurt small business uh, if only because uh, some of the one number the bills are not paid to those small businesses, which. If you're a small business, you can't afford not to get uh, get paid for your work. So that's probably as much of a problem as anything. Uh, so and and the bigger uh, the bigger investors uh, obviously get first kick at the at the can, as they say, uh, with the remaining money or the assets. So uh, you know, in in the shortfall, uh, it is just simply. Somebody, uh, a small business does work and they just can't get paid and that doesn't, but they have to pay their, you know, their employees and, and the cost of goods and all of that. So that, that to me, uh, it's, it's really to the point, as you know, I worked in Wall Street before I did my telecommunication. It really, you, you almost have to read every contract and you really, uh, you have to do your due diligence, as they say in Wall Street. And that means even for smaller companies. You need to know who you're doing business with. Well, it certainly seems to me like that would be an example of the managed marketplace. You know, we've talked a lot about the free market, the free economy, and the you know everything from subsidies to tax deferments to choosing you know which business gets the bailout for the PPP first, and and now. You know, here we're talking about uh, this Chapter 11 bankruptcies where they've restructured that. To me, those are examples of uh, the managed marketplace. And some people call it socialism. Some people call it soft fascism, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. It is not the free market. And you know, I, I don't, I don't see it that way. But maybe it's just from my point. Of well, view. no, that's why I'm bringing it up because because you, like Mr. Tom Shepstone, will will be a contrarian to me, and I need that in life. <laughs> So, but th those are to me; those are four examples of the managed marketplace to where it's not a free market. Well, boy, there's that, you really opened the door for a long discussion, and I won't burden your audience with it. Uh, the only, uh, you know, I saw that interview that uh, Kevin Kramer did yesterday, and I, but I think that from the oil patch, I don't think anybody wants government. To, uh, any more involved in uh, in their business than it is already. So I don't uh, the, the way that that uh, the uh, oil industry keeps itself out of the hands of the government, and it would be a disaster. The more the more they are in the back pocket of uh, politics, the worse it gets. 
so I, you know, I think that they, uh, there's this sense that that's where the Chapter 11 comes in, Jason. That is, it's a way of the marketplaces to work out deals among themselves. We have a, a new younger generation coming in. CEOs like Matt Gallagher are going on MSNBC talking about maybe we should get subsidized. Um, well, the he, I younger, think, well, he's too young to know better. No, but I, I know, but he's a CEO of a major company. And like I said, the younger you know, generation has been trained a little bit different. So I, it, to me, it's um, I, I think we're at a crossroads here for the energy industry. I think it's one of the most important times in its history. Well, boy, you know, I'm just reading a, a, a wonderful book uh, called Panic at the Pump. And it's about uh, uh, the oil crisis in the 1970s from, uh, from OPEC and, and from government mishandling of, of oil and all. Uh, and oil has had a very special place in any, any country's portfolio of things they do. And what, uh, what the one thing that more and more in this day and age, everybody wants to keep enough sovereignty so they don't have to get uh, have what happened to the uh, to uh, the world of markets in the 1970s when OPEC finally just took control and and they stopped making and selling oil. So to me, the more uh, the more diverse it is, the more place it happens the more likely it is that the marketplace will survive. And uh, your friend who was, what, what's the company, uh, uh, the young gentleman you mentioned, what is he, uh, who is he the CEO of? Well, Parsley, down in Texas. Yeah, yeah they're a major company. They're a major company, yeah. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the old, rules are, the old rules are there for any number of really good reasons, including financing and liability. And I don't think anybody's, you know, if they're not used to some of the ups and downs of the business world, and certainly the oil oil patch, you know, they're they're going to learn the hard way. That's really that, that's the long and the short of it. Well, that's why I bring up the subsidization part of it because if there's going to be uh, subsidies to certain companies and and certain people are going to get uh, access to government officials and and certain contracts and et cetera, then it's then then they're not going to learn the hard way. At all, they're 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 just going to get certain companies will be enabled, and certain companies will get very upset because they'll watch winners and losers being picked right before their eyes. Well, that's the other reason that you don't really want that to happen. It is because artificially, uh, winners and losers are being chosen, and it's and it is down to uh, lobbyists and and money and. Uh, you know, I worked in the telecommunication business, which I'm going to bring in just a little bit. But, you know, I, 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 I started almost at the beginning, when, uh, 1976, when the Telecommunication Act it broke uh, AT&T into, you know, into long distance and local. But, uh, I, you know, uh, by the year 2000, it was, you know, uh, let me give you a good example. A company that's worth nothing right now was worth $266 billion in, in the year 2000. That was AOL Time Warner. Uh, and, but they, they, uh, they, they were worth that money for two reasons. One, their accounting was really, it was almost like Chinese accounting, which means that they, they, you know, they weren't doing it right. But also, it was people trying to pick winners in this uh Vista and this great, you know, the Vista open to us, the Internet's going to take over the world, which is 
it never happens that way, JC. Jason, it just never happens that way. So you have that, that early, you know, you have that early bloom on uh, a whole new business model. Look, look at Zoom right now. Uh, you know, Zoom went from four million to four hundred million uh, people who use their their meeting platform in about three months, and they, are, of course, are overwhelmed. And already, there's ample competition coming in, and it, the marketplace will work again. And one of the problems when you try, when you are into, you know, either new technologies or new new ways of doing business, uh, the first one is obviously, you know, the first mover does have a head start, but it doesn't take long for other companies to, to figure out how it's done, to reverse engineer it, and come along with a product that, that is as good or maybe even sometimes better. So I, I don't, you know, I think it would do great harm if we got into a, a managed oil uh, situation in the U.S. I think it would do, and I think it'd do harm for North Dakota. I mean, I don't hear any of the politicians who you would think because they would get, gain more power talking about it. You know, uh, you know, I, I listened to, uh, like I said, Kevin Kramer's interview last night, and uh, you know, he talked about the market, uh, but you know, he's. Uh, clearly, he's he and uh, uh, and his uh, people out in Washington are not interested in trying to take over a very complex and increasingly complex marketplace. Uh, and, and, and a good part because of the uh, complexities of natural gas uh, feedstock, uh, you know, liquid natural gas. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's beyond uh, it's beyond their. Uh, uh, their skill set out in Washington. They, do, they don't have a clue about the business, which is why I favor, I mean, you're never going to get rid of big businesses, but I think that the thing that has stood out to me is that, that small businesses, the good ones, will survive. The ones who either they, they made a blunder themselves or the market came along and shocked everybody and they, you know, they went out of business or they got bought up. But, you know, that's, you know, it's sort of like... You know, it's like the rule of the jungle or something to me, Jason. And I think it works. Very difficult for businesses these days to gauge what the marketplace is asking for. Uh, one example is the bonuses that these uh, bankruptcy bonuses that a lot of the CEOs have gotten and a lot of the politicians that continue to be reelected when they are doing um well, they've made decisions that have gone poorly against they've the state. The for, yeah, they've caused the problem. Let's put it that way. So back, back, what I remember was, you know, merit mattered. Nowadays, it doesn't see unless the only thing I can think of is that the CEOs were supposed to go bankrupt, and that's why they got the bonus. I just don't understand why they got well, paid a bonus when a lot of the service companies got left out, a lot of employees got laid off. Um, I mean, there's real damage that was done to a lot of MP employees and a lot of people that believed in companies. And then to see the CEOs get millions and millions of dollars in bonuses, you have to ask, it's a fair question, did they purposely go bankrupt? I mean, it's a... Uh, you know, let, let, let's go outside the oil patch because that, you know, uh, the, the bonuses has been a bone of, excuse the, uh, the, 
the 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 rhyme. The bonuses, the bone of contention has been long before the oil patch, and it's been for any number of companies. Let me give you a good example of some that are you know that are doing it right now that aren't in the oil patch. J.C. Penney, Hertz, Libby, Chuck E. Cheese, Borden's. If you look at them, each each and every one of them had a business model that kind of. They're, all their CEOs, all their executives, all their executives got bonuses. Well, they, they have, they have, for example, they do it. For, uh, let me give you an example. Uh, Hertz, when they uh, just before uh, they went into Chapter Eleven, they set aside sixteen point two million dollars bonuses, but it was for three hundred and forty employees at the director level. Now the theory behind it, I see. I think was. Uh, there is bonuses, but it's generally for all, you know, for all of their executives. And that is, they want to keep them on after they go through Chapter 11, if they're worth keeping. That is a way of uh, keeping, uh, you know, a president or a CFO in the company uh, after, you know, after all the blood is, is let and they, they start doing business again as a real company. So it isn't just CEOs. Uh, an, another example, uh, Chuck E. Cheese, 28 people are, are getting bonuses uh, out of, uh, let me see, out of uh, 1.3, you know, it looks like about $12 million or something like that, but 28 people so, are getting it. So I can, I, I, I totally understand why multiple employees at a uh, delegation level would get bonuses. Totally understand that. Uh, thanks for believing in an idea that didn't pan out. I'm just curious about the guy who's coming up with the idea and executing the idea, why he's getting the bonuses. You know, you, 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 you mentioned that they, they want to hang on to the guy. Well, why, why would you want to hang on to a guy that just brought you into bankruptcy? That doesn't make well, any often, sense to me. Often what's hidden be, is hidden behind, it's kind of like the baseball player that you paid $25 million a year for, and then he tore his, uh, he sprained his ankle and he can't play. So I think with, uh, uh, in the, the marketplace for good executives, and I'll put that in quotation, uh, companies have to do something contractually to one, attract good talent as they see it, and keep good talent. So it, it, there, there is that risk. Uh, especially if you, you bring on a high-cost executive. Uh, Jeff Imholt is a classic example. Uh, and, you know, um, watching sports right now, uh, you know, watching them, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, our, our quarterback here in Wisconsin, uh, Rodgers, I think he makes $30 million a year. And one year he played one game. Now, he's a great player. I suspect he'll be a great player for three or four more years. But, you know, it is ju that's just the risk. Uh, and, and right now, look outside your window, Jason. Uh, we've got uncertainty everywhere we look. We don't, we don't even know what uh, this disease we're fighting. We don't even know. We still haven't got a broad understanding of how it works and I, how to how defense against it. I'll just go back to my original question, which is, I, yeah. I guess, um, I, I thought <clears throat> we lived in a world where merit mattered and where accountability oh, it does. was something. It does. No, no, it doesn't. Not off the examples uh, yeah, you just yeah, gave. Yeah, I don't, you know, if you don't, if you don't uh, accountability and you, and you have no merit, nobody's going to, nobody's going to, they won't even watch in the first place, let alone give you a bonus after. Uh, but a lot of companies, 
Steve, they're not even tracking the PPP money. Everybody who got PPP loans, they're not even tracking that. There's no accountability. The only reason people know about the Lakers and they know about Ruth Chris is because they were public companies. People have asked for the list of businesses who have gotten the PPP money, and they won't give it to anybody because the banks have that. And they don't want, the, they, they don't want anybody to know that the banks were picking and choosing who, got the, well, who, who was deserving of, of the dollars and who wasn't deserving of the dollars. There's a lot of people we, that... What we is, know over time, though, Jason, is those, those sweetheart deals that uh, uh, embarrassed uh, you know, the federal government and the people who got it, they will, it will come out. So, they, you know, they have, there is some accountability. And, of course, uh, with the, the uh, was Harvard got $25 million. I mean, you know, it, it, it's just a matter of time where a lot of the sweetheart money uh, will become known, and then you will have a PR disaster on your hands. Won't change anything, though. I mean, all the people that got the money will continue to get the money. And I've seen it four times in my, my professional career. I mean, uh, four what, what do you mean by that? I don't know. Well, where the, where the government has bailed out competition, where they've, they've taken care of the, the leaders in the marketplace. Um, you know, I'll go, give you an example. So uh, 2002, 2002, okay. 2008. And, and what did that cover? Uh, that, was that, a, that, that was the communications. That was when um, the Internet first was starting to come into play. So over the next few years, governments started getting into bus wrapping business, and they started to sell advertising within different areas of the government, really taking a, a big uh, share of the market in the marketing dollars. And then in 2009, you had the housing crash. So you had all these different uh, builders and developers and realtors going out of business. And the banks got a huge bailout then. Um, you know, uh, you know I, I, and, and this is where... Wait, I, and then, uh, hang on, you asked the question. So then at that time, okay, and then at that time, the park districts started getting into the advertising business too. So now, in, at least in North Dakota, you had principals making phone calls on behalf of media outlets asking for advertising dollars for football game of the week and that sort of right. thing. So right. uh, the government has gotten into the advertising and marketing business huge over the last 20 years. And I always say they're my number one competitor, without a doubt. I mean... Well, and, and that may be true for you, but I, let me just go back to the, where you started. Yeah. Uh, uh, as far as the Internet, we've always had a... A very strange relationship with telecommunication, both t what they call twisted pairs, you know, that is phone lines, and then the Internet, and then the wireless. Uh, and uh, government always got, got picked, uh, like through the FTC and the FCC, they always got stuck because of regulations. They always got stuck interpreting and in some cases really fucking up markets, excuse my French. Didn't mean to say that, uh, and I and I work closely with the FCC. In fact, the uh, the chairman uh, Michael Powell is now the uh, chairman of the whole cable industry. But at the housing, the housing started in Washington, Jason. They had rules for all banks had to invest. What was it? Five percent of their money in in loans that were were not you know didn't meet any standard. They had in a sense give it away. So the government made these the institutes make money uh, or give out money that they had very little likelihood of collecting, and of course it caused an enormous upheaval. 
and, and, the, and the real estate business got blamed for it. Well, the truth is, all of the well-meaning politicians in Washington are the ones who, who set, up, uh, uh, set the bank up to fail. I mean, there was a waitress out in California who was making $10,000 a year. And through the, you know, through the banking, she qualified for a million-dollar house in Los Angeles. So my point is, is over the last 20 years, most of the people who have caused the four crashes that have been bailing out the same big organizations were caused by the same people. Most of the people, have been, most of the people have been in politics for 20 years. It's it's a brand. It's it's a career for them, and they've taken care of a lot of the same big companies over the last twenty years. I've seen it four times, four times in my career. I just saw it again, and and Steve, I'm telling you, that's that's the way the kangaroo system works. It's a kangaroo court, and it's it's a big club. Like Car- George Carlin said, it's a big club, and I ain't in it. Um, well, I mean, I hear, you know, I hear your frustration. I'm not in it either. But, but, uh, but you and I, well, let's just agree to disagree on you know how. Uh, I don't see. I see it much more as an amorphous blob, uh, and that that politicians are always looking for the newest thing where they can uh, where they can get something out of it. I for see example, it as honestly. I see it as a political industrial complex. It's no different than what Dwight Eisenhower uh, warned everybody about the military-industrial complex, which was true, and we got the Internet and cell phones and microwaves out of it. It was a design in order to create an innovative economy. But his, his warning was there are, you know, it can be abused. And well, our, and, and it will always be true. Now, if you're yeah. saying uh, that, uh, that there are examples of abuse, I mean, yeah, the, you know, Shakespeare would not be surprised by any of this abusive behavior right now. I mean, that is sort of baked into our cake. But I, I don't see it as a big piece of the cake where I think you do. But that's all right. Well, I guess, I guess the reason I see it that way is because, you know, I get all the press releases and I see everything. And, you know, when you see the same names popping up over the last 10 years. You start to wonder if the word grafting. Give me an example. Just give, give me an example. No, I'd rather not right now. I'd rather not. Um, okay. I can okay. do. I, 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 I can. Get you in trouble. Don't want to get in trouble. Well, it's all public information. It's all public information. Okay. I mean, it's it, you can go take a look and, and and see. It's 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 where it's at. Okay. Um, my point is is that I one day I just I was talking to one of the staff members and I said, "Guy, you guys are really borderlining on grafting here," and he goes, "What's that?" And I said, well, what do you mean, what's that? And he goes, I've never heard that term. And I said, they did a whole movie called Mr. Smith Goes to Washington based on that. Are you kidding me? And so there's so much that's lost, you know. And, and even, is it Rahm Emanuel who openly said we should sell Obama's seat in Illinois? That's, that's really what's going on here is people are so removed from the value, the influence, and how much power the position of a, a politician politician has i don't think they understand that that's really where it's not i'm not being bitter i'm not being upset i just do not think i think they're so out of touch with the average person that they don't even understand how valuable their endorsement is steve that's what i'm getting at who again who is they who, who the, politi- the delegations the different delegations whether you're from colorado or north dakota or minnesota or Texas or wherever it's at. I mean, we cover a lot of different states. Of course, in North Dakota, you can see it mostly on on a microscope because it's so small, much like Wyoming. Well, and, 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 yeah. and it's, 
there's a lot more transparency. South Dakota, too. North Dakota yeah. than Pennsylvania, yeah. for example. Well, you know, in North Dakota, South Dakota, you got fewer big companies, too, and, you know, exactly. that sort of thing. So you just, exactly. it's, that's what I mean. You see the, the same the same things. Like I said, you can go to any one of the delegation and take a look at their schedule, and you'll see it's like a tour, man. It's like, hey, Kalamazoo, Michigan, we're coming in again. Let's, you know, let's go. And, and, well, and they, here's what I would say. Uh, if I look at, if I look out right now, there are an awful lot of politicians who are going to get voted out of office quickly. The one thing is their franchise only lasts for two, four, or six years. And it doesn't take but one vote to end, end that. And then, of course, it starts over again. But that, we just haven't figured out a way to... Uh, uh, to to, man, to govern ourselves, Jason, there is, we're as close as it comes to having some kind of sensibility. Europe right now, I study Europe a lot because of their energy policy and because of their, uh, their really, the way they deal with the poorer parts of the world. It's embarrassing, the kind of arrogance involved in some of this, but somebody's going to pay for it. Uh, somebody will pay, and and the uh, the EU uh, has already started to pay, but they're a long way from uh, where they're really going to be. It's like uh, Cuomo or or uh, uh, Gavin Newsom out in out in California, or what's what's his name, Ansley out in Washington. Their term will end because they're make they're making fools in front of the world. Let's uh, transition over to Robert Bryce. He's been a uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, guest on the program before in the past. We were going to have him on, oh, right before the coronavirus came, but then uh, oh, yeah. a few of his gigs got canceled and he got sidetracked, and we just haven't uh, circled back. But you've recently uh, encountered or engaged or somehow well, got involved with Mr. Robert Bryce, so I'm glad that you brought him up to me. He's a, he's a I call him a heavyweight in the industry. Oh, so he is. he is. Yeah. And one of the things that makes him even hev- a heavier weight right now, this is, you know, because I, I, I met Robert maybe four or five years ago, and we kind of, you know, we developed somewhat of a friendship. I mean, when his new book came out, he sent me three copies and uh, to uh, to read, I mean, and it's a great book, by the way. It's about the history of electricity, something that more people should know about. Electricity uh, in the world, but also electricity in the United States uh, back in the 1930s going forward. Uh, and, but he has a new uh, documentary called Juice, which is about electricity. But he, he and his partner, a guy by the name of uh, Tyson Culver, who is the cinematographer, they went on a 10-country tour. So Africa, Asia, they went down to Port, uh, Puerto Rico, of all places. Uh, of course, the dam- they have, st- have 300,000 people who still don't have electricity a year after the hurricane, by the way. Uh, but it's a remarkable uh, look at uh, the power and the importance of electricity to uh, to the household, starting with the household, as Robert points out, if a, if a house doesn't have reliable electricity, guess who does all the work? Mom. <laughs> I mean, I had all the work at home. Last year, four million people died of uh, of uh, pollution, uh, air pollution in their own homes. One million from India alone. So the, the, it's an, it, these are issues that are being ignored, but they're big issues, and they aren't nearly as political as other, some of the other things that relate to energy. 
But Robert Bryce is a, and he's very smart, as you know. And uh, this documentary is called Juice, a great name. Uh, but it's beautifully shot. There's no real politics in it. Uh, it's, um, and it's, it's also, so not only does it talk about going to South America and to Cuba, but it also talks about uh, the travel to and from and, and things that you don't think about. What makes an electrical system work? The grid. If nobody trusts the grid, then it doesn't work. You should see the wiring in India. Everybody's stealing electricity from everybody else. <laughs> 40 40 percent of all electricity generated in India is stolen. Hmm. So so you have you know you got the political issues. There's no real mandate from on top. India is 1.3 billion people. They they've yet to figure out how to govern themselves. Of course, China. You get you know look at all the other big. Entities, even the European Union, they still don't know how to govern themselves. And if if what you're saying is even more true, you know about a the game is fixed. You didn't really say it that way, and I'm not going to put those words in your mouth. But no, that's okay. That's, that sounds about exactly what I was saying. Yeah. Well, I can promise you right now, if you look at the United Nations, my God Almighty, uh, you know that's like athletic scholarship in mankind. It's an oxymoron, Jason. Two words that don't belong in the same sentence. But, you know, so, I mean, <laughs> I get more frustrated. You get frustrated within the U.S. I get more frustrated looking at all the corruption outside the U.S. And, and, uh, and the small group of people making, you know, making decisions. So, for example, Putin and, uh, you know, the sheik from Saudi Arabia. But they, they threw the world into a, a, an enormous tailspin at a time when we didn't need it. We ruined the oil industry, as, you, as you've been saying, for... Who knows how long that effect will last? Well, I wish the industry would uh, push back here. Um, and, and I mean that not in a bravado, you're either against us or you're, you know, right. against us type way. No, I, I wish they would push back in a new way. The old way isn't working. The body of work well, is done. The, well, I mean, that's where, that's where, the bro that's where uh, telecommunication, broadband technology, we... We will win that game, Jason. No, we're not going. Not, not not when they continue to use the same people. And you, I mean, tr trust me, this is what I'm talking about with the accountability and merit because all the same people are doing all the same things within the energy industry, and we've seen where it's gotten us in ten years. Well, see, I see the I see the evolution of the industry, and I see the integration between uh, energy and technology. That, I, that's going to happen regardless. That's going to uh, happen yeah, regardless. But, no, they, but, but it's, uh, it's all down to efficiencies right now. Uh, the, and, and, and there are other issues at stake, but the more efficient we get now, uh, wh when a market works, uh, you get more and you, and, you, and you use less to do it. And sometimes that means people. I look so at it this there, way. There's, there's, there's blood on the tracks when, you have, when a market evolves. Over the last uh, 150 years, ideas, some people. What's that? Over the last 150 years, we've evolved with innovation from hay to wood to coal to crude oil to natural gas, and the hydrocarbon molecules have gone down exponentially over the last 150 years. Long before Greta Thunberg came running around with the Sierra Club 
talking about we got to do it in the next five years we're all going to die so my, my point is is that politics and the same people who have been around for the last 10 years have caused so much dis disruption in the marketplace you actually have to have a certification now from a bank in order to have an oil and gas asset that to me is a body of work that is done but you know that's more financial that's no, 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 that, that, that's, that's, that is 100% public relations, 100%, absolutely. you got to make money, you got to make more with less. They, the ones that don't do it over time uh, will not be around. No, I, I, Steve, I, I, Steve, I think we're having two separate conversations here. The conversation I'm having is about how the influence of public relations has changed the perception of science to where banking now requires pretty much requires you to have a certification to have have an oil and gas asset to me that's remarkable that's remarkable uh, to me it looks it looks like the evolution yeah well i know I, I wouldn't disagree with you there that's definitely an evolution but i don't necessarily think that's about the innovation part of it i think that's more about the public relations than innovation because the innovation was happening regardless I mean, you take you a look at... You smoke for so long. You know, I, I, to me, I mean, I did a lot of that stuff, Jason. I, I lobbied out in Washington on all kinds of issues in and around energy and environmental. I lobbied in the States because my company at the time uh, relied on money from the States to, to give uh, uh, money to companies in their state to help them do energy efficiency and other things. Now, uh, it, was all, it was always clumsily done. California's a classic example. They're, you know, they're, they're on a one-way street to hell, as is New York State. I mean, there's going to be an explosion, and there aren't going to be many politicians left. I promise you that. And maybe not many banks either. <laughs> because they're doing it all wrong. They're doing it like PR. But PR, you know, PR only works for a while, you know, uh, and as soon as it comes back to basic business, either you deliver or you don't. And you can, sp you know, one of my favorite stories when I was working out in Washington, uh, there was a time when Microsoft, right, when they wanted to break up Microsoft back in 2000 and all of that stuff. Do you know in t year 2000, Microsoft did not have a single lobbyist out in Washington? Not one. Now they have a whole building. They have about 10 floors. Why? Because they didn't have any presence out there, and every time a decision was made, somebody uh, had, had a better lobbyist or had better information, a better, better educator to people in Washington, and they got the business. So, so it's only part of the equation. That's all I guess. That's all I'm saying. I'm not disagreeing with you 100%. Yeah, I'm part of that, that too, though, are, is that the lobbyists were lesser back in 2000s, and also back then Microsoft and Apple was miles ahead of the government. They had no idea what those guys were doing. They had to, they had well, to like, rein them in to slow them down well, and be like... That's true for the oil patch right now and for technology. I oh, mean, do you remember you know, when, they grilled, to... when they grilled Mark Zuckerberg a few years ago? Did you ever see that when, they, when the Congress yes. tried? That was, to me... That was one of the most embarrassing moments of Congress I've seen in the last 20 years. They were, they were asking him how his business plan worked, and it was the oldest I've ever seen Congress. Like, it's, it's like, do you not understand they make money on advertising? And, 
they they were just blown away. They're like, so how do you You're make money? Well, yeah, they knew they were like, so how do you make money? Well, they get, it's a multi-billion dollar corporation, and now you're asking them how he makes money? Let me tell you a story. Uh, this is about five years ago. They had a, uh, a National Association of Utility Regulators down in Santa Fe. And, and all 50 states have, you know, between three and five regulators and staff. And, and then you have the utilities who are trying, you know, trying to keep close to the regulation, all of that stuff. And the guy who is now head of, I want to say, I think he's head of public relations for a large utility, a guy by the name of Travis, uh, Travis, Travis, uh, Cavella. And I raised my hand in front of the whole crowd. I have a habit, habit of doing that. And, uh, you know, and he knew me and he said, yes, Stephen. I said, one of the things I don't understand, Travis, how can any regulator hope to regulate an industry where you're five years behind in technology, you're five years or more behind in human capital, and at least five years behind in understanding how, what, the, what the new business model is? And, and, and he really got offended. He said, yeah, and he looked at the crowd, he said, yeah, that's just Steve saying we don't, we don't know enough to regulate the utility industry. And of course, that's what I was saying. And of course, it's true. <laughs> that is an interesting dynamic, though, that we're currently in, that so many of the jobs that are currently in the marketplace, they're not there in four years, or they're changing in four years in the marketplace. But that is... That's the way it's going to be. No, I know, but you're you're going to see. Well, yeah, you're you're going to see after this uh, this fall a big a big push for the two year degrees and you know that I mean it's been going on for the last ten years. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, and and you know what? I mean, it, it should be. The educational system is working, even the K through twelve. It's embarrassing the way they educate kids in Chicago or New York. Yeah, that's a whole different conversation for a different day. Let me tell you, because yeah. that uh, let's but let's circle back though to yeah, um, sure. just some of the bankruptcy talk, some of the sure. future. You know, we kind of went back and forth a lot of different sure. areas, but uh, just kind of giving you the final thoughts as I'm looking at the clock here. Where do you sure. see the industry going here? I mean, I, now I just as we were talking, I'm seeing Denberry now is is looking at filing for uh, bankruptcy. They're a big Bakken, you know, company as well as a big Texas mm-hmm. company. So, you know, we're we're now it's like. It's, uncertainty is larger than usual. I mean, the right. world is, you know, it's, uncertainty is, is a part of our life. But now, nobody, you know, and I like to say these days, the top medical doctor, uh, the top uh, financier, all of the top brains in the world don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, Jason. So it's a very volatile time. 